Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Story Simple Spirit, a podcast on how to make sense of Scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Jackie, Happy New Year. Happy New and Year. And Happy New Year to happy everybody out there. This is a special New Year's Day episode. Oh, my goodness. We released on Christmas Day. We released on New Year's Day. No one can stop us. Uh, and most importantly, New Year's important. Oh, sure. Christmas yeah. is important. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not the most monumental <laughs> thing that we're celebrating today. What is the most monumental thing that we're celebrating today, Jackie? This is our 50th episode. This is number 50. We made it. We, we made we it. We made it. Number 50 <laughs> on New Year's Day. God is smiling upon us. And so today's a celebration. You've got uh, an unreleased Celsius energy drink that you're, you're just crushing that. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's illegal for you to have it. So if... It so, is unreleased, so, I'm pretty sure. Celsius so if I have like some to, weird side effects during this yeah, podcast, just we'll see. contact me, Celsius. I'll give you all of her contact information and we can we can we can figure this out. But that's but but you they can't get us in trouble on the fiftieth episode day. No, that's a legal loophole. If it's your fiftieth episode, you're fine. You I feel like the whatever. whole ever since I said fiftieth episode, there's been applause. Well in the yeah. background. Is that true? Yeah, I think people are cheering. I hear a bunch of people cheering outside. There's like a long line outside the door of people waiting to shake our hands, well, I heard. Yeah, I don't have time for that. I'm, yeah, we're I'm, going I'm a very busy door. podcast <laughs> co-host, so I'll have to go out the back. But I do appreciate uh uh everybody listening. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to to get going in in our second year of the podcast. 2024. Yeah. You believe that, Jackie? Thanks for spending last year with us, guys. Jackie, do you have any uh do you have any New Year's resolutions? I do. Yeah. I what always are they? do. Well, I don't ever share though. Oh my god. You know this about me. <laughs> I every year I give myself five words. Uh-huh. And those are like what I want to describe me yeah. in the following year. Mm -hmm. And I'm very serious about this. I've done this for many years. Yeah. But I don't um I don't share them with people. So what are they? Oh, I don't share them with people. <laughs> You just got me. And I'm like, oh, well, they oh here they are. Uh, well, Jackie, um, I, I can offer some suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> if you need any brainstorming session, I'm here for you. Thank you. Things you need to improve on. Thank you. Thank you. Things about yourself that <laughs> Thanks. Uh, need some work. You know, I'm here just if you need me. I'll just if you need you me. I'll you if I need. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I used to do resolutions. You don't do them anymore? Not really. You know, the last one that I did was in 2020. Uh, the one I was serious, the last one I was serious about, and I wanted to learn how to cook. Oh, do you feel like you hit that? And I did. I feel like you really do cook a lot. And I did. I did learn how to cook, which yeah. which was which was fun. Uh, now the problem with it, honestly, is that uh, my wife and I used to split the the you know the chore and the duties of cooking dinner yeah. with each other. And actually, until you know, probably twenty nineteen, going into twenty twenty, she actually cooked more than me. Mm. And then since 2020, I have almost exclusively cooked. Mm -hmm. And what has happened is that when I'm not there, she's honestly, basically unable to feed herself. I'm the main cook in our house, and I, I feel that way about. Like Josh can't feed himself. No, he makes scrambled eggs. Or was that's a, all he? Yeah, 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 scrambled eggs. Abby said that her husband will just eat like chips and salsa for three days. If she's gone. <laughs> no, like, yeah, I come home and Josh is like, "Well, I ate a bag of goldfish. Yeah. I don't know. You were gone. No, I got see, generally just like get takeout. You yeah, know? <laughs> he's like four nights in a row if I'm not there. But you're like, you knew how to cook like, at you, one no, point. You like know you regressed. Yeah. Like the recipes that I cook are mostly recipes that you have saved. And have it's cooked like before. Stuff she cooked first. But, she's like, I don't remember. Yeah, she's just like been deprogrammed. So she's like, <laughs> I don't know. I can't cook. So I don't. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any real resolutions mm -hmm. this year. But if I did, I would share them with our podcast listeners because I love them. Oh well, I'm like you. So I like an Arab uh, mystery about me. So oh wow. <laughs> okay, Jackie. Well, uh, here, here's something for okay. for our listeners. If you have a resolution of reading more scripture this year, which is something that Christians yeah, oftentimes, yeah, a lot of people. You know, uh, I think we made this joke before, but but 
a lot of times, uh, uh, Tim Mackey, when he talks about the book of Leviticus, mm -hmm. he said the book of Leviticus is where uh, reading the Bible in a year plans go to die. Yeah. <laughs> you spend two years or you spend two months, Genesis. Yeah. Okay. This is pretty yeah. good. You get through Exodus. It's like, all right, this is Riveting, good now at yeah. the end. There's a little too much stuff yeah. about the tabernacle. Yeah. And then you get into Leviticus and it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll try again next year. <laughs> but, or if you get through Leviticus, numbers is just like... Well, even worse. <laughs> even worse somehow, yeah. Uh, and then Deuteronomy is like kind of the same it's, thing. Yeah, it's and you're like, like the, wait, haven't it's I like already numbers read again. this? What's <laughs> happening? And so a lot of people do put, you know, something like that on their, mm -hmm. uh, on their resolutions. And we actually noticed that January is the highest church attendance as well. Yes, yeah. Uh, even like, I mean, obviously like Christmas Day and Easter Day. Yeah are like the most, you know, the highest attended days. But in terms of like periods of time throughout the year, uh, way more than December, generally, mm -hmm. January. And mm -hmm. a lot of that I think is because of New Year's resolutions and people want to re-engage with their faith. And so scripture reading is is uh, is one of those things. Uh, now, uh, what I want to invite people to hear is that, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast, Jackie, is because we think that one of the reasons that people uh, don't engage with scripture the way that they want to is because they don't know how to read it. Yeah. And so really all this podcast is supposed to be is a, is a tool mm -hmm. to help us read, uh, you know, beginning in Genesis, basically what is some of the most confusing and sometimes the most mm -hmm. scary parts of the Bible. Yeah. And so if you have somehow found this podcast and you have a, a, a resolution to read more scripture, uh, we just kind of want to invite you to, to go on this journey with us. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the Bible plans of reading in a year is, is great. Uh, something like this, you know, we're, we're going pretty slow but we're like really taking our time and getting into the, th you know, the, the, the things that somebody might bring up and ask you like, well, in Genesis, it says this. Yeah. And as a Christian, even though you, you've read it probably, maybe you're like, I actually have no idea what that is. Yeah. yeah. This podcast, we're supposed to actually like talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that, that's what we're doing. We're going to do that uh, this year as, as we go forward, essentially what we're creating and we'll see how far we get over the next 30 <laughs> years. But basically what we're creating is a verbal commentary yeah. on the Bible. Mm -hmm. So probably in the middle of this year, at some point, we will have a verbal commentary of the entire book of Genesis done. Yeah, really, yeah. And we'll move into Exodus mm -hmm. and kind of keep going. I mean, unless, you know, something changes, that this is this is the plan. And so uh, we, we just want to, you know, help people understand the Bible. And so we, we invite you to be a part of that this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so today... We're going to finish up Genesis 31 mm -hmm. and we're going to look at uh, Laban finally or Jacob finally escaping from Laban. from Laban. It's been working for him for a long time. It hasn't been going very well. No, to say the least. Yeah. Laban's yeah. not the most agreeable, agreeable fella. No, no, not at all. Right. And so last week we saw Jacob who has become very wealthy through a deal that he made with Laban. Uh, what, what we would say through the miraculous provision and mm -hmm. movement of God. Uh, he made a deal that he was going to keep all the spotted and speckled sheep. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all the sheep that are being produced are spotted and speckled. Yeah. And so basically, Jacob has more wealth now than Laban. Yeah. Uh, even though he has come about it honestly, right? He has not deceived Laban out mm -hmm. of this. This was this was a deal that he made. And so uh, now it's time for him to leave. It's time for, for he and, and his wives, who are Laban's daughters, to leave. And they actually co-sign this decision and they, and they go along with it. Yeah, he he brings them into the field and they kind of all discuss and they're like, yeah, you should do whatever God tells you to. We're we're with you, not yeah. our father. They don't seem big fans of Yeah, Laban no, not either, at all. Right? No. And so uh, it's been like 14 years it's with crazy. Laban. Yeah. And he has not treated Jacob particularly well. Mm -hmm. And according to his daughters, he has not treated them particularly well. 
Uh, and in fact, they say that he, that he treated them like slaves and sold them mm-hmm. like you would sell slaves. And so it's time to leave. Mm. And Jacob leaves without telling Laban. Rachel steals Laban's household gods. Yeah. And so she takes the idols from his house, uh, which we will talk about what this means and why the, those idols are there in the first place in this episode. But uh, the, the way that the Hebrew said it last time is that Rachel steals his idols and Jacob steals his heart. Mm. Right? So the translation that says he deceives him is actually he steals his heart or his wits, you know, mm-hmm. his, he, he, you know, he, he, he steals uh, deeply from him mm-hmm. by, by, by running away without telling him. And so the household gods, what are these? Mm-hmm. What are these idols that, that Rachel steals? And we're going to see that uh, Laban is very alarmed. Yeah. It's, this is one of those things where you read the Bible and like the Bible assumes that you know yeah. what the household gods are. And you're like, oh, like the household gods. Right. And what are those again? Right. Yeah. And I, I believe the Hebrew is like ter- uh, teraphim. Oh, okay. Teraphim or something like that oh, is, is, is the word. And so basically what these gods are is they're totems. Mm. So, you know, like a totem pole, which is like wood yeah. that goes in the ground and, and it, it goes up into the air and there's like images mm. carved mm-hmm. into it, you know. Uh, and the images, at least in at this time in this culture, represented the ancestors of, okay. of your family. Yeah. And so these are family gods. And this is ancestor worship, mm-hmm. which is still very prominent in you know some some uh, you know in, in certain tribal cultures in, in mm-hmm. the world today. But it was very common. It was ubiquitous across the ancient world. So every family had had their family gods. And so this is actually something that as we read forward in the story, actually all the way into the kingdom of, of Israel, uh, you're going to see the people of God continue to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that's kind of interesting that I heard a, a commentator say is that we think that the Bible was written by, you know, the people of God, mm-hmm. but actually the Bible w- was written by the prophets mm-hmm. who were actually opposed <laughs> to the people of God for, like a, for lot a lot of, of it, it yeah. right? Yeah. So the people of God have Yahweh. Mm-hmm. They have the, the tabernacle. They have the temple as we go forward. But some of these ancient cultural practices of worship, mm-hmm. things they got from Egypt, which we'll see, and things that were already in this area that they came to possess, the land of Canaan, um, this stuff sticks with them. Yeah. Yeah. They're very much influenced all throughout the Old Testament by their neighbors, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, it's like, um, you know, it, it's something kind of along the lines of like, as Christians— you know, there's something what I will call demonic about the 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 uh, you know the worldview of individualism, mm-hmm. and yet not only do we imbibe in it, we bring it into our faith, yeah, and make yeah. our faith individualistic, yeah, absolutely. And the, and the reason is not because not just because we're such desperate sinners who can't help it, it's because we we swim in it, yeah, absolutely. We're ensconced in this individualistic yeah. culture. Yeah. It's hard to get away from that. Yeah, when you read Genesis, Exodus, when you read the prophets, you get so upset with the Israelites. Like, come on, like, yeah. isn't that obvious they shouldn't be doing that? And then right. we do not want to take that same view right. and apply it to our own lives. Absolutely it, not. Exactly. Because we're doing the same stuff. Yeah, and, and it's almost like, you know, um, when we talk about spiritual disciplines and stuff, a lot of what those things are is it's, it's counter-formation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because you're being formed. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so the prophets were kind of this voice of counter formation to, mm-hmm. to step away from these things that were so common in in culture. And so so this becomes a reality even for God's people as they go forward. Yeah. But basically these gods, like, 
you know, you can kind of think of the spiritual realm and the way that, that this culture thought about it as like there were hierarchies. Mm-hmm. So there were gods that you had to go to if you were a king to consult with these gods about like going to war, mm. right? These are like the big gods. Mm. And you usually do that through divination or, mm-hmm. you know, um, ceremonies and, and ritual. But you had these household gods who could like, you know, give you luck. You could consult these gods. Yeah, I gotcha. They could give you advice. Uh, they can't do the big things, but but they're like there and they're active, you know? Yeah. And so uh, Rachel steals these mm-hmm. from Laban. And so I think that this means a few things. Now, number one, I'm kind of reading into this a little bit. This is somewhat speculative because it doesn't actually say why she stole them. Mm-hmm. Right. But number one, I think that there is an element that is foreshadowing the tearing down of idols, mm-hmm. which is something that we'll see as, as we go forward. So yeah. I think you can make this connection. Yeah, I think that's fair. Rachel and Leah have both been nothing but faithful mm-hmm. in this process. And so it makes sense that this kind of foreshadowing of what it looks like to be a faithful follower of, of God in the promised land is shown in Rachel. It also shows that Rachel and Jacob are kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. You know, she steals his gods and Jacob steals his heart mm-hmm. right, by leaving. And then I think it also shows that she's attacking the enemy. Yeah. Which has always been what the woman is supposed to do mm-hmm. from Genesis three onward. The woman does battle with the serpent and the then the Messiah who crushes the serpent comes mm-hmm. through the woman. And we've seen this happening over and over again. And so Laban has set himself up as an enemy. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, Rachel's doing well by attacking the enemy, yeah, taking his absolutely. gods. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're going to leave and, and we're going to see how it turns out for, for both of these parties. Last episode, we talked about the Exodus symbolism. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so we're we not going to talk a lot that. about yeah. that today. But um, you can go back and listen to that because I think that that's a paradigm that keeps happening. And uh, w- and so uh, before we begin and start to get into the scripture, please like and subscribe. It's our 50th episode. It's our 50th if you episode. Haven't. Do it for us. Do it. <laughs> Even though Jackie won't give you her words for next year, please like and subscribe. Maybe Ooh. DM me a screenshot and maybe. Ooh. If you, no, write, if you write a five star and give us a review, Jackie will tell you her words privately. That That's is true. true. I'll make sure of it. Okay. Um, let's begin. Okay. Where did we end last time? I think we ended in, in verse 21. Yeah, right? we were middle of the way through Genesis. Yeah, 30. so we still have like 30 verses to go. Yeah, so it's a many, long Some of these chapters in Genesis are long. So let's, do, let's start and just do 22 through 24. Genesis uh, 31, by the way. Yes. 22 through 24. Yeah. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream at night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. (laughs) So Laban is told that Jacob has left. He's told on the third day. Yeah. So they're shearing sheep. Yeah. Which is uh, obviously like if that's what, if you're a shepherd, Mm -hmm. that's like a really, really important time of Mm -hmm. year. It takes a long time, a lot Mm -hmm. of effort, a lot of people. And so Laban uh, is told that that Jacob is left with his daughters and granddaughters, so he starts to pursue them. And what you're going to see is that he takes with him his kinsmen. Yeah. Right? And so these are people that are somehow in the, you know, they're in the tribe. They're, mm-hmm. they're in this this group of people. They're probably doing the things that, that Laban as the patriarch does. And so they're probably shepherds mm-hmm. who are helping him with his flock. They're probably in the middle of shearing all these sheep. And Laban says, you know, uh, Jacob and my daughters have left with my grandchildren and my mm-hmm. gods. Mm-hmm. We have to go pursue them. 
Yeah. So it's very important to see that these kinsmen are going with them because basically the interaction that we're going to see happen after this, now that Laban has caught up with Jacob, um, is is it's going to be like a court. It's going to be like a like a like they're the jury. These kinsmen. Yeah. Right. There's going to be accusations leveled. There's going to be arguments made, and there's going to be like these what I'll call bombastic speeches. Yeah. Where they're not privately saying these things to each other. Mm-hmm. These are like you know those kind of speeches you make publicly to try to get people on your side, yeah. right? Like you do in, yeah. in a courtroom. And uh, basically the kinsmen are going to act as as the jury. And so Laban is what you can imagine hotly pursuing Jacob well, and, and he's angry. Yeah, he covers three days ground. Right. He catches up to him. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Jacob's traveling with with women and servants and a bunch of, grand, a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And Laban basically takes an army. Yeah. Of men. Yeah. And so, so catches up to him. And uh, you could imagine that, you know, he's probably has it in his sights to harm Jacob, right? Mm -hmm. Then God appears to Laban in a dream Mm -hmm. and says, What? Don't say anything to Jacob, (laughs) good or bad. Good or evil. Okay. So sometimes this is confusing to people, and I understand why. Uh, remember that the knowledge of good and evil has to do with pronouncing judgment, mm-hmm. right? That's what the tree was all about. That's what wisdom is all about, discerning, judging. It's been a prominent theme so far. This is what the fall mm-hmm. of man was all about. Mm-hmm. And so God comes to Laban, and basically what he says to him is not don't speak words to Jacob, mm-hmm. even though that's kind of the way it's translated. What he says is don't pronounce judgment on Jacob. Mm-hmm. Don't go to Jacob and decide good and evil, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, Laban, you know, uh, probably has the the same local idea of gods that we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what he probably thinks is happening here is that he passes over to the other side of the Euphrates to a different territory. Mm-hmm. And the God of that territory appears to him mm-hmm. in his dream and says, you know, don't do what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Don't pass judgment. And so you know, this kind of universal understanding as, of God as the as the one true God is mm-hmm. a revelation that happens slowly in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would assume that Laban does not think that Yahweh- Is the God of everything. The God of everything, the creator of heaven and earth yeah. appeared to him in a dream. I think he, oh, Jacob's God, who's from this land- Is talking to me. Is talking to me. And I'm in like kind of his territory And I'm now. in his territory. Mm. And what we're going to see here- is that Laban's going to use this against Jacob. Yeah. So we're going to see why. But um, so he receives this dream. So let's just just read the next verse and, and we'll pause real quick. 31.25. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him. And Laban and his relatives camped there too. Yeah. So again, something that's kind of hard to see, but this is battle language to peg your tent, mm. right? When you pitch your tent to, in, in battle for your army, right? So it's kind of like there's two sides here. Jacob's side is women and children and slaves Mm -hmm. and Laban's side is him and all his kinsmen, Yeah, which probably a fighting age (laughs) men. And so you kind of have clan versus clan. It's like this, this whole scene begins with two camps opposed to each other. Mm. And um, seemingly the kinsmen are going to be the witnesses, Mm -hmm. the jury to what's about to happen. And Mm -hmm. so now the speeches begin. Mm -hmm. And so let's do 26 through 30. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You've deceived me and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? Mm -hmm. You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You've done a foolish thing. 
I have the power to harm you, but last night the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's household. But why did you steal my gods? Yeah. So he says, you've stolen, you know, again, you've deceived me as you've stolen my heart Mm. and led my daughters off like captives of the sword. Mm, Wow. And so he doesn't say your wives. Your wives that he like worked for for seven years. (laughs) He says my daughters. Yeah. Right. So this is the kind of like, when I I say this is bombastic, it's like over the top Mm -hmm. accusatory language because there's a jury who's about Mm -hmm. to pass judgment. Uh, and, And so, you know, Laban kind of talks about this as if there was no deal. Yeah. As if uh, they were forced to leave. His daughters, Mm -hmm. right? And his grandchildren were forced to leave. Which is interesting because just last chapter, or no, earlier in the chapter, we read that basically Leah and Rachel regard it as that he has sold them off. So they have no tie to him at all. Essentially what they said was, what is he to us? What do we have to do with our father anymore? He sold us like slaves. But now that they've left, he's like, those are my daughters. Exactly. Yeah. Which you, you understand like, like this is classic PR. Yeah. Right. Oh, this yeah. is this is um Yeah, he's got a spin, good spin. Right? Yeah. This is the spin zone. <laughs> and so uh uh he he's playing to his audience. He says, If you would have told me I would have celebrated you and played you oh, off with I instruments. Played music, kissed everyone. I would have kissed the daughters yeah. and the grandchildren. But remember that this is not the way that it's gone. Jacob has tried to leave. Yeah. Right? He has gone to Laban with this exact plan. Mm-hmm. And Laban keeps making him stay. Mm-hmm. And every time he stays, Laban tries to make up a new reason or make a new deal or change the, mm-hmm. the terms of the existing deal. And so this is a deceitful speech that he gives, right? Mm-hmm. And then he calls him a fool, which mm-hmm. if you read Proverbs in this culture, to call someone a fool is a very serious very bad, thing. Yeah. They talk about it. They, they use that word differently than we do, mm-hmm. right? It's very degrading to call someone foolish. And so mm-hmm. he basically says, you're a fool. I should beat you, mm-hmm. right? This is what he says when he says, I should do you harm. This is what he means, right? I should, I should hurt you. Uh, but your God, the God of your father, mm-hmm. Isaac, appeared to me and I respect him. <laughs> so why is that important? Well, because it looks like Jacob doesn't respect his God. Why? Yeah. Rachel stole them. He stole them, right? Yeah. And so no one knows who stole them. Not even Jacob knows, oh, which okay. we'll see here yeah. in a second. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he says, you know, I respect your guy, which is why I'm not like assaulting you right now with all these fighting age <laughs> I'm kinsmen. I'm a reasonable man. I respect your guy. But you obviously don't respect mine yeah. because you stole them. Mm. And so uh, that's why he ends this, this speech with, but why did you steal my gods? Mm. And so then Jacob gives his rebuttal, 31 through 32. Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. Yeah, so Jacob basically tells him that he thought Laban would forcefully make him do something. Mm -hmm. Why did Jacob think that? Well, historically, that's (laughs) been the case. That's the kind of man that Laban is, right? So this is actually, in my opinion, a very effective defense that Jacob is is leveling. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Because there's an audience here. They're Laban's kinsmen. Mm -hmm. So they know him. Mm Mm-hmm. And they know what he's like. Yeah. Right. And they and they know what he's been doing to Jacob. Yeah. Now they might be on his side, quote unquote, because he's the patriarch. Yeah. But 
they know what kind of man Laban is. So they would understand Jacob's reasoning. And they know what what, he's been robbing Jacob for years, (laughs) right? The kinsmen know this. And so this is actually, in my opinion, like a pretty good argument. It's kind of like, well, you know, you... I know what kind of man you are, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why I didn't come mm-hmm. to you because it's you know you you're sort of and then all you can imagine all the kinsmen are kind of like, hey, yeah, he mm-hmm. is kind of like that. Uh, but but then you know Jacob doesn't know that Rachel stole in the gods, mm-hmm. the idols, and so he makes you know a kind of rash vow. If you find these idols somewhere, kill you can, someone. You who can has have it. not only can you have them back, you can kill the person who stole yeah. them, right? If I'm Rachel, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. And so we know hey, that can we talk in private. Yeah, real quick? Huh? <laughs> And so we pro- we know they're probably with Rachel because yeah. she stole them, but Jacob doesn't know this and Laban doesn't know this. Right. So then the action begins 33 mm-hmm. through 35. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, don't be angry, my Lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Mm. So Laban is looking for the idols and he's going into the tents of his daughters and servants. So on the one hand, this seems to indicate that he's willing to kill his daughters. Right? Yeah, that's true. He's searching and he's like, if it's in here, I'll, I'll kill him. I mean, that's kind of what the, what yeah, the, wow. you know, the indication is, right? Mm-hmm. Which is. Uh, congruent with the way that the women have described his attitude towards yeah, them, right? Absolutely. They don't think that he values them. They mm-hmm. think that he's treated them like slaves. Mm-hmm. And so he goes through the servants' quarters, mm-hmm. but he also goes through his daughters' quarters, yeah. as if they're servants as well, mm-hmm. right? And so you start to kind of see this this rift that's there between the, the the girls and the father. And he comes out of Rachel's tent and uh, comes to Rachel, who's sitting on the idols that are packed inside her camel's saddle. And she says, you know, do not be angry with me, my Lord. I can't rise up before you for the manner of women is upon me, mm-hmm. which is the the innuendo for, for menstruation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, it, it, it seems that she's actually lying, mm-hmm. right? Because there would be a way to say that if that were actually true. Um, but it seems like she's deceiving her father. Yeah. Who's a tyrant. Mm-hmm. And what have we said about deception of tyrants? Of tyrants. It's not bad. No, it's a good yeah. thing, right? Yeah. De- deceiving the... The serpent. That's what the women are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to protect the seed. And so, um, uh, you know, she's deceiving the tyrant, which is good, but she's also defiling the idols. Yeah. Because she's sitting, she's on, sitting them. on them. And so, uh, you know, we're gonna see we're gonna see a scene in uh it must be second Samuel, first or second Samuel, where uh the the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And they put it in their temple. Yeah. And then when they come in the next day, their God is face down. Uh-huh. It's fallen over, uh-huh. bowing to the ark, uh, which is symbolic in many ways. But it's a disaster for them because their God has fallen over. Mm-hmm. It's like it's been degraded. Mm-hmm. So then imagine sitting on a God. Mm-hmm. It is like a blatant show of disrespect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's, you know, this is also an act of disrespecting the household gods, yeah. an act of deception. And the interesting thing is, um, these gods can't do anything about it. Yeah. Right now, what you're going to see is when you touch the Ark of the Covenant incorrectly, you die. You die. Yeah. Because God is powerful. Who yeah. are these gods? Nothing. They're nothing. They're wood carved of hands, right? And so, um, even though they're being sat on and disrespected, nothing is happening to Rachel. Nothing's She's happening fine. to Jacob. And in fact, Laban can't even find them. Yeah. Mm. And so, it's a clear contrast to Yahweh. 
Uh, but you get this picture that Laban's like frantically searching. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So let's do uh, 36 through 42. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched through all of my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was with your household. I worked for you for 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac has not been with me, you would have surely sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Yeah, so this is the moment in a court case where the piece of evidence that is foundational to the prosecution comes up missing. Oh, yeah. If this was like a, like an HBO mm. like crime drama series, I'd be like, right. popcorn, I'd be like yep. tuned in, not blinking. Yep. This is so good it's, stuff. It's the moment where it seems like the trial hinges on the murder weapon, yeah. and then there's no murder there's weapon. There's nothing. And so that's why Jacob quarrels with him, right? He, oh, he yeah. finds a certain boldness here because the very thing that Laban had all these guys follow him about mm-hmm. the, the, the stealing of the gods, because we know he doesn't really care about his daughters. Yeah, right? clearly. But the stealing of his gods, they're not even there. Yeah, and Jacob's like, all right, bring and it so, forth. So Jacob, in front of your, exactly. all of our relatives, show us what you got. And so uh, Jacob, you know, gives this speech in front of these men. And, and again, you know, these men know Laban. And so they know what he says is true. Mm-hmm. Right. That about, you know, that without, without God's provision, like you would have sent me away empty handed. I've been working mm-hmm. for you for 20 years. You changed my wages 10 times. Me. Yeah. Uh, I've not only have I been working for you, but I've been making you prosperous. Yes. Yeah. You know, I've been doing a good job. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, uh, and, and so Laban can't even find what he is charging Jacob with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if, if you notice the the juxtaposition here in Laban's speech, he said he would have sent Jacob away with a party and with celebration yeah. and song. In Jacob's speech, he says, if not for the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac, you would have sent me away with nothing. Yeah. Empty-handed. So Jacob, uh, Laban ended his speech with a question, why did you steal my gods? And Jacob begins his speech with a question, what is my crime? Mm-hmm. And it seems like Laban can't answer this. Mm -hmm. And so Jacob says he took good care of his flocks. He was honest. He worked hard and in fairness. And Laban, on the other hand, was changing his wages and cheating him. Mm -hmm. And now seemingly has pursued him for no reason. And again, his, his, his kinsmen know who he is and what he's like. Yeah, Jacob's winning. I have to say this is like, if I was Laban, I'd be a little embarrassed. uh Uh-huh, exactly. Uh, And so then... At the end of this, is he says that, you know, God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands. And so last night he rendered judgment. Mm-hmm. So it says, the translation says that he rebuked you. Mm-hmm. But the, the wooden Hebrew is that God rendered judgment last night mm-hmm. when he came to you in your dream. And that's important because remember what he told Laban that he, what, what Yahweh told Laban he wasn't allowed to do. Render judgment. Render judgment, yeah. good and evil. Mm-hmm. So you can't render judgment because you're not in the position to because of all the things I just said, but, mm-hmm. but my God can and has. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Laban's going to have to answer him and save face in some way. Mm-hmm. So let's do 43 through 47. Laban answered Jacob, 
The woman are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about the children they have borne? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took stones and set up a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took some stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate by the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galid. Yeah, so Laban stuck. He lost. Yeah. Right. So you've seen this before when people lose arguments, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, uh, it's... So, I'm, I'm in the right, but I can't do anything about <laughs> uh, it today. What can I do? Let's what just end do? this, right? right? Let's just have a... Yeah. I'll, I'll work for peace, okay? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring this forward. But, and, and, you know, Laban's stuck because he can't find the idols, yeah. which again is actually due to Rachel, mm-hmm. not Jacob. Yeah, Jacob didn't, he so, didn't even know he did anything. Just like kind of Rebecca was mm-hmm. the hero of the story mm-hmm. before against when Isaac was being tyrannical. Now it's actually Rachel who's mm-hmm. kind of the hero of this story uh, for for stealing the gods and for hiding them mm-hmm. and deceiving the tyrant. Uh, and um, so uh, all, that, all that Laban can say is, uh, well, you know, all of this is actually mine. Like your wives are my daughters and your flock is my flock. He and says your children, children are my, are my children. children. Yeah. Uh, which is not true. Yeah. Right. Remember that he basically sold his daughters like they were slaves mm-hmm. and he treated Jacob as a hired hand. And Jacob was the one who multiplied the sheep. Yeah. Right. Through a, a fair deal. And he only kept what was explicitly his according to the deal. And so the text is very clear. They're Jacob's wives and they're Jacob's flocks. Yeah. He's just trying to grasp at anything yeah. at this point. Same face. Yeah. And so he says, well, what can I do? Right. I mean, you guys are all adults. Well, what did he come here to do? Kill him. So yeah, like, take yeah. him. But now, because he's just been he embarrassed so badly he's by like, this, by this well, year. Let's make a deal. Like, oh, what can I do? Let's make a covenant, right? Yeah, wow. So uh, again, uh, in Hebrew, to whenever it says to make a covenant, it actually says to cut a covenant. Mm. And we talked about this briefly with Abraham specifically. But when you make a covenant or when you cut a covenant, you cut an animal in half. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you walk through the animal together, mm-hmm. facing each other, and it, this is, and then you eat the animal together. Mm-hmm. So this is a dramatic reenactment or, or an enactment of the potential blessings and the potential curses of the covenant that you're making with each other, mm-hmm. right? So if you keep the deal, you are blessed, just like this food and fellowship and sustenance and mm-hmm. prosperity. Uh, but if you break the deal, then what happened to these animals will happen to you, Yeah. right? And so this is probably what they did here. So So it's cut in half and then... Uh, Laban's side is eating one half and Jacob's side is eating the other half. And now they're connected by this covenant. Yeah. And they make altars or pillars. Um, they cut a covenant, they eat a meal together. And so Laban calls the place uh, Yagar Sahadutha. Yeah. Uh, which is which means witness pile mm. in Aramaic. Because mm-hmm. he's... He's Aramean. Yeah. Right? So, so uh, Laban the Aramean, which was pointed out Mm-hmm. earlier in this chapter, mm-hmm. right? Even though they've just been calling him Laban the whole story, all this of a sudden he's like, Laban the Aramean. Remember he's Aramean. Yeah, yeah. Because it's this whole thing about territories and gods yeah. and who's worshiping who yeah. and all this stuff. And so, uh, witness pile in, in Aramaic. And then Jacob calls it Galid, mm-hmm. uh, which also means witness pile in in, in Hebrew, in, in Hebrew or, or some kind of like Semitic mm-hmm. language that's uh, Canaanite okay. Semitic language. And so- yeah. Uh, Gal in Hebrew does mean pile. Mm-hmm. And so Jacob uses the Canaanite dialect, which is where he's going. Mm-hmm. And Laban uses the Aramaic, 
which is where, where he's, he's going from. back to. Yeah. Right. So the pillar, uh, you know, the, these pillars that you make when you cut covenants and they, they act as lots of different things. One, one of the things they act as is a boundary marker. Mm. So they're setting, this is like a fence. Like this is my territory over on this yep. side of the pile. Yep. You're over there. Yep. So there's now two separate entities, which is good because as you can see, there's confusion about who belongs to who and mm-hmm. what belongs to who. So this is kind of nice for Jacob because he's separated himself yeah. finally from Laban. Yeah. So the cutting of the covenant cuts mm-hmm. them, right? And you kind of see this in all kinds of covenants. Uh, so like circumcision is a is a, a covenant that's cut into the flesh. And then that child is dedicated to God, mm-hmm. Yahweh, away from all of the other gods. Yeah. Uh, the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. What does it say? You shall what? Leave mm. your father and mother and, and cleave. Clean. Yeah. Right. So it's like you're it's this it's it's a boundary and a connection. Yes. Right. Yeah. That, that are happening at the same time. And mm-hmm. so uh so this pillar acts as a boundary marker. Uh and and then um let's do forty eight through fifty three and talk about that real quick and then and then we'll wrap up. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it was called Gilead. It was also called Mizpah because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters or if you take any wives besides my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar I've set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you and that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father, Isaac. Mm. So still Laban is saving face. Yeah, because now he's like, okay, your God is a witness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like basically accusing Jacob. I mean, he's, he's attacking Jacob's character still, right? Yeah, he's like, I, I know you'll probably try to take other wives. Yeah, and hurt my daughters, right? So- yeah. I mean, he's like one of the things I think is just kind of important to understand, like in terms of the the narrative structure of this, is that not only has Laban lost, kind of in an embarrassing fashion, mm-hmm. but he's taken all these kinsmen who are in the middle of doing stuff. Yeah. Like, have you ever like if you ever known someone who actually is like a farmer? Mm. It's like it's like all day every it's like day, day and night. Yeah. And so, you know, this these agrarian cultures, like you work and then you live off of your work. So to take people and pursue someone for seven days mm-hmm. and then to get there and to come up empty. Embarrassing and bad for your household's wealth yeah. and economy. Yeah. And, and these guys aren't happy with him. I'm sure. Right. So yeah. he has to try the best that he can to, to, to save face. So he's doing PR again, yeah. right? This pile is a witness uh, and it's called uh, Mizpah because in that, you know, he's because may the Lord watch between you and me when we are away from each other. Mitzpah means watch post. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, if you mistreat my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember God is a witness between you and me. Whoa. And so the insinuation is that that's the kind of man Jacob is. Yeah. Right. So much, uh, uh, this is ironic because it's actually the kind of man that Laban exactly is. exactly how Laban's been treating his daughter. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, Laban is so much like this, even towards his own daughters, that that one of his daughters stole his household gods mm-hmm. out of his house and then sat on them mm-hmm. and then lied to him. Yeah. Uh, out of spite. <laughs> so, of course, Laban's flipping it here 
and proclaiming that Jacob's the one uh, from whom he and the girls need protection. Yeah. So uh, it, remember in every other story so far where we've seen the tyrant oppressing God's chosen one, when there's the confrontation, how does the tyrant react? He blames the the righteous yeah. one. Yeah, so that's what he said to Abraham, yeah. right? He said, well, you know, yeah, I took, I took Sarah without asking and I yeah. took her like from you and you're the brother. And so I was supposed to come to you, but I didn't. But like, really, like, I can't believe you you lied. You did this to me. Can't yeah. believe you did this to me. Same thing happens to, mm-hmm. to, to Abraham with uh, Abimelech. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens with Isaac, Abimelech. So the tyrant is always going to accuse the righteous, mm-hmm. no matter what the situation actually is. Right. And that's actually, you know, a, a word to the wise mm-hmm. among us. That's how, that's how it will always be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Satan, Hasatan in Hebrew, what does that mean? The accuser. The accuser, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. this is the way that the devil works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have all this language about God as a witness, and this is true, but remember also that the kinsmen are all witnesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have all participated in the gathering and the piling of stones. They're probably not that happy with Laban mm-hmm. right now. And so they too are witnesses to this agreement. Yeah. So if Laban breaks the covenant, or if Jacob breaks the covenant, the fact that these kinsmen have participated in this uh, building of, a, of an altar, a pillar... Uh, indicates that they're the ones who are going to do something about it. Yeah. Right? So they're the enforcers of this covenant, Mm -hmm. right? As well as God. Yeah. And so this passage ends with an interesting phrase. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of their father, which is Terah, judge between us. Mm -hmm. So again, we have to understand how the biblical narrative is shaping our understanding of God and the people through whom God is working Mm -hmm. understanding of God. Because, um, uh, you know, the God of Abraham is Yahweh. Mm -hmm. We know that. He's the one true God, which Mm -hmm. we know. But we're told later in scriptures that that Terah, Abraham's Mm -hmm. father, was an idolater in Ur. Yeah. Who worshiped other gods. Yeah. And Nahor, who's Abraham's brother, right? Um, Laban's father, who knows what gods he worshiped. Yeah, it doesn't say. Now, his son Laban certainly worships not just Yahweh alone. I yeah. don't know if he, he, he seems to respect Yahweh as a territorial God. But he's got his own ancestral kind of gods, gods, idols, yeah. And so there there seems to be that, that according to uh, Laban, this covenant is in the witness of all of these different gods. Yeah, he's lumping God together yeah. with his like yeah. own little G gods. I think so. And so I think this is why it's important that it follows up with, and Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father, Isaac, mm. which is really, this is the only story where this is the way that, that Yahweh phrase. is described, yeah. right? Um, but you will see that, that fear, mm-hmm. trembling, mm-hmm. is what happens when the presence of God mm-hmm. comes near, mm-hmm. right? Um we, we mentioned that when uh, Jacob woke up from his dream, he said, this is awesome. Yeah. But he means that word literally. Yeah. like You're in awe. Yeah. He saw at the top of that ladder, the top of those steps, God mm-hmm. met with him. And so the fear and the trembling that God provokes is one of the things, that, one of the ways that Jacob is describing. Mm-hmm. So he calls God the fear of his father, mm-hmm. the fear of Isaac which is Yahweh. And so you actually start to see this like this like uh, development of what 
you and I would call biblical monotheism. Yes, yeah. Which is not the idea that there's only one God and all other gods are fake. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that there's only one supreme God and all the other spiritual beings are created by that God. Yeah. And some of them are rebellious and some of them are faithful. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rebellious gods we call demons. Mm -hmm. And there is no, like this is kind of important for us in our pluralistic society. For Christians, there's no like neutral gods. Yeah. They're either for Yahweh or they're against them. Mm-hmm. If they accept worship, they're against him. Right. Because when when other spiritual beings that serve God, um, later in the scriptures we'll see like Gabriel comes to Mary. Mm-hmm. And he's and 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 other places, like what is it in Revelation? Yeah, in Revelation. Yeah. John the angel falls says, down Don't worship angel, me. Right. Worship God. Just stand up. But any any God that says, Yeah, worship me is right. demonic. Yeah. Right. And so we're actually going to see this that when God scattered the nations at the Tower of Babel, Mm -hmm. he gave created spiritual beings authority over the territories. Mm. What ends up happening is that those beings, those those, uh, divine beings, those spiritual beings, they fall Mm -hmm. by accepting the worship of these people. We'll get Mm -hmm. to this in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy says this explicitly, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And uh, so... These are now what we have historically called demons. Yeah. Right? So uh, whoever the God of Terah was is a demon. He's a demon, yeah. Because he accepted the worship of the people, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, so, um, you know, we're starting to see this come into focus Mm -hmm. in the story Mm -hmm. where you go from this very pluralistic kind of like, uh, society of of gods in a hierarchy, and you start to see the biblical witness start to hone in on this idea that Yahweh and Yahweh alone is worthy of worship because mm-hmm. every other god is created. Mm-hmm. So it is ridiculous for you to worship another god mm-hmm. because that god is created just like you, mm-hmm. right? That spiritual being mm-hmm. is created like you are. Now it's even more ridiculous for you to give your your uh, you know adoration to that wooden idol. Yeah. Because not only is the God that that idol represents a creation of Yahweh, Mm -hmm. but that wooden thing is your own creation. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's what the prophets are. They're not saying that there's no spiritual reality behind the idols. Mm -hmm. They're saying that you carved that thing and now you're sitting there worshiping it. Yeah. Like what, how does that make any sense? If it falls over, you have to pick it up. Mm -hmm. If it's paint chips, you have you to repaint it. it. You're yeah. going to sit there and worship that thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to ascribe some. So, so this is kind yeah. of this like biblical monotheism coming into perspective. And so Jacob does not take the oath in the name of the gods of Nahor uh, and Terah. Yeah. He takes the oath in the name of the fear of his father. Yeah, he's Isaac, got his own oath. Yahweh. So then we'll finish up 54 through 55. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. So they eat the covenant meal together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is what a sacrifice is. Mm-hmm. So there's something called a whole burnt offering where you just burn the whole animal up to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even in the the religious you know, uh, rituals of Israel, a sacrifice was to burn part of the offering up to God and then you eat the other part, mm-hmm. right? So when you make a covenant and then you 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 have a meal, you you share the food together. Mm-hmm. 
because there's kind of this interesting thing where like, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you live in the same place with people and you drink the same water and you eat the same food, you actually start to like, like you, like those, like that people smells a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's because they're legitimately like taking into themselves the same things. They're Mm -hmm. like becoming one. So there is something about taking the same animal, cutting it in half and eating it together that is in a very intimate act of connection. It's like unifying. Yeah. Unifying. The same substance is going into both of you. This is one of the reasons we take communion. Mm-hmm. Take the body of Christ and mm-hmm. we all as the church eat it together yeah. and then drink the, the yeah. blood together and it starts to become who we are. And so um, the, this covenant meal, you know, unites them in this way and then they sleep, mm-hmm. which I think represents peace and rest. You know, um, it started out as a courtroom setting where two sides were opposed to each other. And it started out as a battle setting where they pitched their tents against each other. Mm-hmm. And it ends with them eating a meal together and then going to sleep. Yeah. And so uh, they, they can rest. Mm-hmm. Laban wakes up early in the morning, kisses everyone. He gets what he wants, he and said. He kisses grandchildren and his daughters. Right. So it's kind of interesting in chapter 29, it seems like a long time ago. Yeah. But it's just two chapters ago. I know. When Jacob first meets Laban, Laban runs up to him and kisses him. Uh-huh. And so now their relationship ends with Laban kissing once more. Mm. Yeah. And so the saga with Laban has been completed. And what we will see going forward is that they go back to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And now Jacob and his wives and his children start their life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think... If, we, if we've learned anything so far, it is that this should all go very well and without conflict <laughs> and everyone should be faithful to God. And it should be all good from here. For the rest good. of the Bible, yeah, it should be should just be thumbs up. Yeah. Um, and so we will get into that next time. You got anything else for us today, Jackie? That's it on our 50th episode. Well, happy 50th episode, first of all, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, Merry Christmas, which was last week, which mm-hmm. we had an episode on Christmas. And then number three, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And then uh, uh, next week, Jackie will reveal her New Year's resolution words no. to us, and we will, will dedicate a whole episode to it. <laughs> so we will see you guys next time on Story, Symbol, Spirit. Mm-hmm.